0: thanks so much for listening. What's preventing you from creating content? That's the question that Albin Brooke and I set out to answer in today's episode, but it didn't start that way. See, I thought we'd talk about podcast stats and what creators can do to make money. After all, Albin is the head of marketing over at Buzzsprout, a very popular podcast host but there is no making money if there is no content. So we get back to basics. And if you are stuck creating content or not creating content, this is the conversation that you need to hear. Today's episode, episode 269, is brought to you by Learn Dash, Nexus, and WEP Wallet. You'll hear about them later on in the show. And you'll be able to find all of the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 269. But for now, let's get on to the intro and then the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast that helps small business owners create engaging content that drives sales. Each week, I talk about how you, can build good content faster to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. All right. I am here with Albin Brook. He is the head of marketing at Buzzsprout. I'm really excited to talk to Albin. I've heard him on multiple podcasts, following him on Twitter, and usually if I'm quoting stats, uh, they're they're from Albin. So uh, Albin, how are you today? Thanks for being on the show. Joe thanks for having me. I'm excited
1: to be here, talk to the uh how I built it crowd and yeah, it's exciting to be here and talk about podcasting.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really psyched and that's uh that's honest. Whenever I'm whenever I'm saying something like 75% of podcasts uh, 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 fall victim to pod fade, I always <laughs> google that. You're like cur- like your current stats or whatever from 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 what you're pulling from, right? Uh Buzzsprout for those who don't know is a a podcast host. Uh, and we were talking in the pre-show there, you have um, over 100,000 active podcasts. Is that right? I think the current number right now is a hundred and
1: maybe 16,000 active podcasts, um, nice. or 114,000. You've got some people in there who have kind of drifted away and they're not podcasting as often now. But uh, yeah, we, um, a few years ago, realized as an industry everybody had lots of proprietary data and for some reason, you know, some uh, lack of you know, desire to share it or uh, maybe nervousness around letting competitors have no things. Everyone was kind of keeping it close to the vest. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kept seeing journalists that would say numbers and we were like, those don't seem right at all. And we're like, whatever. <laughs> we just need to start posting our numbers and throwing them out there for everybody. And if anyone finds them valuable, that'll be great. And, if they don't find the valuable and they think they're wrong then maybe they'll correct us and we'll learn even more about what's actually happening in podcasting.
0: Yeah, and like I mean podcast stats like you it's like kind of the wild west uh as we record this uh Apple finally just gave us like follower numbers which I my follower numbers um were very surprising to me. You know, because I average around like 6,000 downloads in the first 30 days per episode. But I had like 17,000 followers on Apple Podcasts alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, "Are so are followers people who have subscribed and just like never download an episode or? Well, so
1: two things. One, 6,000 downloads in the first 30 days of an episode being released. That puts you well into the top 1% of podcasts. Wow. And for you to have... You know, about 3x the number of followers on Apple Podcasts is that you do downloads. Um, Or maybe, I guess, maybe it's closer to like 5x the amount of downloads in Apple Podcasts.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, That's about
1: the industry average as well. So when I look at all our shows and then I've been sharing this data with other people, we found you get sometimes as many as five people following the show for every one person that downloads it and actually listens to some of it, the episode. Gotcha.
0: Which is really interesting, right? I guess it's probably the same on YouTube, right? I'm not watching every YouTube video for every channel I'm subscribed to.
1: I, it's definitely the behavior on YouTube. I mean, we have a YouTube channel, I think, with close to 80,000 subscribers. But if we get 4,000 views on a video, we're <laughs> excited. So yeah. the, uh, the numbers are even uh, worse over on YouTube or TikTok and many other areas. Um, podcasting is actually the one where I feel like we have very high success that if you actually get somebody to subscribe and listen, they're much more likely to stick around than in other forms of media online.
0: Yeah, right. Because I mean, like podcasting, at least at this point, right? There's no, if you follow a show, like that's going to show up in your feed. There's no like, for the most part, but depending on the app you use, there's no algorithm showing you podcast episodes and Maybe that's detrimental in some cases, but for those of us who have followers, right, it means that they're going to see our shows when they come out.
1: Yeah, I actually, I really want to maybe present a talk or write a article about this. Uh, There's different, different platforms have very different characteristics and they're useful in different times. Like there's a spectrum all the way from things like TikTok, which right now you can get massive exposure no matter who you are, if there's great content, but TikTok does not respect the fact that you're a massive creator very much, they say, or that you're a small creator. They are really leaning into the content. So the positive of that is, hey, you're nobody, you can get exposure. The downside is you built a platform on TikTok and it may all come crumbling down once the algorithm starts liking different things. Podcasting is on the exact opposite of the world. It's where it's right there next to your email newsletter and your mm. WordPress site. You know, yeah. these are things that you control yourself. And once you get people to subscribe to your newsletter or subscribe to the podcast or visit your website, you actually start having a one-to-one relationship. So it's much harder, you know, the exposure is much lower, but once people start paying attention to you there, Well, that relationship is more likely to be ongoing. Um, And I think YouTube over time has, you know, started closer to that WordPress uh, email newsletter side and has figured out actually the best way for YouTube to grow is to become much more similar to TikTok, which is let's just find the best content and only show that.
0: Yeah. And that's like, I mean, we were talking in the pre show about kind of YouTube and, and, uh, or maybe that was already when we started recording. It's I've already messed up time in my head now, <laughs> um, but you know I have you know I've got like twenty three hundred uh, uh, subscribers on YouTube, and you 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 look at some people like MKBHD or uh, like Rhett and Link, like they've built these big followings, but they have been on YouTube since like before the the algorithmic change right and so they Mm -hmm. built this following now you got to play this game of thumbnails and titles uh and it's that's that in and of itself could be a full-time job (laughs) i don't know if
1: that was an intentional segue but i as of like yesterday put up a full-time job for that (laughs) on youtube um and i posted about it on twitter that yeah we realized it's a full-time job to shoot and edit the videos and make great videos. Mm-hmm. It's another job to write scripts and to film, or excuse and to write titles and thumbnails and strategize YouTube. So <laughs> we, we literally just posted it. I totally agree with you.
0: Yeah, that's that's so funny. And right, I'm like, you know, I use like TubeBuddy or whatever um, to like A-B test some stuff. Um, but I, it's definitely not something I put as much time into it if I wanted to be like a big YouTube creator, but mm-hmm. conversely, uh, I do put a lot of time into my podcast. Um. So so I want to circle back. That was a really uh good digression. Um. But you mentioned one hundred and fourteen thousand uh, active podcasts. You define active, or maybe the industry defines active. Maybe you can clarify for that uh, that for me. Last 90, day, published an episode in the last 90 days. Is that accurate? Yeah,
1: published in the last 90 days. Um, There's a few other things we use, like whether or not they're on a paid plan. Uh, okay. Whether or not, you know, I think if you're, it may even be less, maybe uh episodes published in the last 30 days or on a paid plan with plus. Okay. Pro. Okay. But it's the, it's these signals that you have actually put forth saying like, I am doing this. Like if you're paying real money to get your message out to the world, there's intention behind it. Um, You don't have people who are paying real money to get their podcast out to the world. When the only episode is, you know, a guy kind of rambling for two minutes saying like, Oh, what if I started a podcast? Like we don't want those to count. So um, it's just us filtering anything that comes off as low quality. There's not really episodes there and they're not actively like putting up new stuff. That's clear. We need to pull that out of the math.
0: This episode is brought to you by WP Wallet. Do you manage websites for clients? Do you feel on the hook for the cost of premium plugins? WP Wallet fixes that. WP Wallet is a free, simple, intelligent tool that helps WordPress professionals like you manage all your license keys and invoices for all your sites and clients. Sign up for a free account, connect a website, and WP Wallet automatically scans that site for plugins and marks the premium ones, even adding prices. No more making the decision of buying the plugin yourself or talking your client through the purchase process. WP Wallet gives you the best of both worlds. As someone who's managed multiple WordPress sites with premium plugins, this tool is a lifesaver. It will even allow you to send recurring invoices to your clients that could be paid on the spot. Never forget a renewal, lose a license key, or miss out on a reimbursement again. Join WP Wallet for free at wpwallet.com slash joe. So for context, um... You have paid plans. You you also have a free plan uh, that is uh, two hours each month. is uh, Is that right? Yeah. The idea there
1: is, when we started, we had lots of churches and nonprofits and uh, people who were giving talks that were really timely, mm-hmm. and they wanted to be able to get it out to the world. But they were probably not. It wasn't super important that that content lived around forever. And he said, well, great. This is an awesome way for us to have a free tier that's distinguished from a paid tier. The free is, it's two hours of content a month. And once you hit that limit, you can't upload more. And eventually those episodes after 90 days cycle off and are not live in your feed anymore. And that's the differentiation for us between if you want to be podcasting for real and keep all these episodes around, Well, then let's move you over to a paid account and then we'll keep everything forever.
0: Yeah, that's such a good way to differentiate, I feel. Because like, yeah, if I'm just, like you said, if I'm just some guy talking on a microphone, um, maybe whatever I'm talking about today isn't going to matter in 90 days, right? Um, But if I'm creating this like more timely content and I want to have the archive and I want to reference and I want to build this content library, like that is, that's something you should be willing to pay for.
1: And you think of all the people that actually that two-hour plan works out well for. Um, I think sometimes people see it and they're like, well, this would never work for me. That's kind of, this plan isn't a good idea. (laughs) Like, well, uh, for a lot of school teachers, this is actually perfect because they can do announcements and they can give short assignments. And it's a good way for, like, you don't need more than the the last two weeks of content to actually still be up. And it's just a nice way for people to communicate. And so uh, we've had people who've been on the pay- the free plan and never had to upgrade for you know many years and it works out well for them. And it's also just a good way to figure out if you're going to use this product. Um, and we all have had the experience of you think you're going to start something new and you start buying stuff and then you don't do it. And that's totally fine. And then a year later though, you realize, oh, I signed up for that mastermind and now I've been charged for it for a year or yeah. I uh, got some software and it's just been billing me the whole way. I forgot I set up a Calendly account and <laughs> then you, you know, then you have to like go and cancel and, you know, see if maybe they'd give you a little bit of a refund. Our hope was start out on a free plan, figure it out. And if it works for you, then let's talk about how we can vote. Bo- we can make some money too. Um, rather than trying to trick people into upgrading and maybe paying us for no value at all.
0: Nice. Yeah, I like that a lot. And that feels better than like um than a trial, right? Cuz it's essentially with a with a podcast platform or with maybe like Vimeo or something else, right? If you're you're going to take 2 weeks to build something there Uh, now you're kind of locked in, right? Unless you don't use it. Um, The free trial is basically like, well, I have two weeks to use this or not. And if I don't use it, I'm not going to pay for it, I guess. And sometimes, you know, we, I mean, we can talk about this just in the context of
1: creators. It's very easy to see the end result that I want. I want to be a published author. I want Mm -hmm. to have an online course. I want to have a YouTube channel and a podcast and a blog and an email list or whatever it may be. And you go, I want to get there. And then in your research, you start finding kind of sexy stuff that you can buy. And you are like, oh, I could get this really cool typewriter to write my book. And I can get yeah. this beautiful WordPress template to be my website. And I can sign up for a cool podcasting service and buy a microphone. And what happens is, as creators, we don't want to take the leap to do the thing that actually is going to hurt, which is putting ourselves out there and getting feedback on our work, and really coming to grips with how good we are at things in the beginning. Instead, we'd rather kind of play around and test things out. And so um, I just think there is a high propensity for people to stumble early on. And I don't want to be the company that makes money off of that stumbling. I want to be the company that says, hey, it's totally okay that once you get into it, you realize, yeah, podcasting is it for me. Um, and you know, if you ever decide it is, then come on back.
0: Yeah, I I love that. That's great. And like, absolutely, absolutely true. Um, there, yeah, there are some people who just want. I was talking about this in my membership uh, uh, meetup today, actually, as we record this. Um, you know, somebody, one of my members was saying like, oh, maybe I should get like a really nice camera. I'm thinking about doing this. And one of the other members, right, I'm like an enabler and I love spending people's money. So (laughs) I'm like, yeah, totally do it. (laughs) Uh, But one of the other members was like, you know, maybe just like use your iPhone to record videos at first. And if you like that, then I'm like, I was like, yeah, do that. That's a lot better than like spending the $1,300 I spent on my camera because I make courses for LinkedIn learning and I record and I live stream. And this isn't the first camera I bought. This is like the third camera I bought and I knew what I wanted. So, so yeah.
1: You know, it's, yeah. You, know you look around your, uh, your office. And sometimes you just see like the, all of the equipment that was purchased for initiatives you thought were going to be really good. And what they really were is distractions from mm-hmm. the actual work that needed to be done. Yeah. To find out if you're going to be a YouTube creator, you've got to start shooting some videos. Like, yeah. let's get to that point as soon as possible and realize, like, do you like it? Is it what you thought it would be? Is it, you know, are you comfortable putting yourself on camera? Let's work on that stuff. The thing that we feel like is important is the, the you know, is the camera the right camera? Well, all that that's doing is just putting like two grand into purchasing equipment right. that high chance of likelihood will end up on your bookshelf in a few months yeah. rather than um, being your sole you know income for your YouTube channel.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, it's funny. F- so first, that reminds me of uh, the How I Met Your Mother episode where Ted started Mosbius Designs.
1: And he was like
0: really concerned about like the company, the official company pen, Uh, because he was like afraid to make the phone calls. Um, But I I wrote a blog post. I'll link this in the show notes, uh, which you will be able to find over at howIbuilt.it slash 269. Um, But I wrote a blog post called Why Gear Matters the Least When You're Starting a Podcast. Um, And, uh, you know, how to kind of start off simple and, and, find a decent microphone, right? Like I think the blue snowball is like decent enough and it's like $40 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then get your reps in and record and get comfortable doing it. And then when you're ready, when you know, like, Oh, you know, this microphone kind of is a little tinny or whatever, or maybe my voice sounds like muddy on this one. So I want to do something else. Then you can invest in, in the gear if you want You don't need to. (laughs) Well, I heard this once. I think it was from a car mechanic
1: who gave me this advice. And I think about it a lot when it comes to buying tools. Uh, What you should do, he recommended, was go to Harbor Freight, which down here is cheap tools. He's like, "And and buy it all. But buy the cheapest version. And then when a tool breaks, you have permission to go buy the exact one you want of that tool. Whenever it wears out, go buy the exact one, but don't do it until then, until it limits you. And I thought it was such a great rule because, uh, you don't know what you need yet. You think, you know, you, you know, you want and by letting things break and, you know, use the cheap mic until you realize, oh, I actually have an ear now for what a better mic sounds like. And now I know more about my voice and my cadence and my, uh, what could, you know, what the right mic and settings would be for my voice that's great information for you to have now that you're ready to make this purchase and you're going to be in love with the microphone rather than having spent 1800 bucks on a whole setup and realizing, Oh, this isn't even what I needed at all.
0: Right. Right. Um, That's such, that's such great advice. I love that. Right. Cause then then it proves you use it too. Right. If it never breaks then you don't use it enough either. And that's like super cool. Um, So, Awesome. We've set the stage, and we've already given the listeners some really good advice. Uh, Let's talk about. um, Well, I guess first, right? I think a lot of people will say there. It feels like there's too many podcasts. One hundred fourteen thousand active sounds like a lot, uh, especially when we're looking at this is this is these are only active podcasts on your platform. Um, I've heard stats around like maybe there are 2 million active podcasts total. Um, How many podcasts total are there, right? Like how many inactive podcasts are there? Um, The numbers right now look like we're somewhere
1: about, let me actually pull this information up for you. Real-time stats. We're going to do some real-time stats. <laughs> we're we're over 2, like 2.8 million podcasts that are live right now. So 2.8 million sounds massive. It also sounds massive because since I've been in podcasting, we were down at 60,000 wow. uh, total. So the world has changed. Yeah. Um, and we it's so funny when I hear people say, there's too many podcasts. You know, everyone seems to have a podcast. Well, there's 2.8 million. That number seems like a big number. But then I flip over and I go, well, there's 38 million YouTube channels. So we're Mm -hmm. talking about, there's like 14 YouTube channels for every single podcast. And there's over 500 million blog posts. So for every podcast, there's like 250 blogs. Yeah, The amount of content on the internet should not deter you from whether or not you should be creating. Sometimes creation is important regardless of whether or not there's other content. And there's, you know, there's what, 8 billion people in the world. There is still room for your unique voice in all of these spaces. Um, But podcasting in particular is still pretty young. Uh, The amount of people listening to podcasts and the amount of people that are creating podcasts is still pretty low. And it becomes pretty apparent when, you know, I have a, a friend recently who started a podcast on vertical farming. And vertical farming is a rapidly growing industry. And there also were like no good shows in the entire space. Wow. Because there were people who were blogging about it and there were journalists writing about it, but there wasn't anybody who'd realized, hey, maybe I could bring podcasting and Vertical farming together. So there are particular uh, niches that there actually is not a good podcast in that space. Um, I know that some of your audience is, are you know small business owners, and I would really encourage you if you're running a small business, especially one where you're trying to get a foothold in the space, go and look. Is are your competitors doing a podcast? Are there anybody in your space doing an excellent podcast? Um, especially if they have kind of your, are they doing what you would do? If not, this is a chance for you to become kind of the voice for your industry and really have some influence and
0: also have an opportunity to connect with a ton of people in your space. This episode is brought to you by Store Builder from Nexus. When it comes to setting up an e-commerce site, you have a choice between easy but limited or a limitless platform that you need to manage yourself. Until now, store builder is e-commerce made easy for everybody. It saves you time and delivers a storefront that lets you get to selling as someone who set up multiple e-commerce sites. I can tell you that store builder has been a much easier experience than anything else. Answer a few questions, add your content and sell. StoreBuilder was created and is supported by e-commerce experts at Nexus. Get the speed, security, and support you need when you need it. Are you ready to launch your perfect online store? Head over to howibuilt.it slash storebuilder for a special offer. That's howibuilt.it slash storebuilder. When people say like, oh, there are too many podcasts, like that kind of assumes a static world, right? <laughs> like... Yeah, there, maybe there are too many podcasts about whatever, um, Theranos, right? There's like a lot of podcasts <laughs> about Theranos right now. Um, but Vertical Farming, perfect example of a podcast. Or like the Kenobi, you know, as we record this, Kenobi is not out on Disney Plus yet. Well, there's an opportunity to create like a companion, like watch-along podcast <laughs> Um doesn't exist yet because there's there hasn't been a single episode out yet. So I think that what people are saying when they say there's too many podcasts, it's all the
1: boring people in my life have started podcasts. Yeah, that's exactly it's right. Yeah. Actually, you're thinking of particular people who you do not find that compelling and they seem to be doing a podcast that is uh, you know, a couple other guys and they're hanging around and they're drinking and they're kind of making jokes and they and it's a little annoying, I think, for some mm-hmm. of their friends to go, why do these people think they're so special? Yeah. That's when you start hearing there's too many podcasts, yeah. but nobody is listening to these unique shows. Um, you know, there's podcasts about specific forms of cancer or groups of people who've lost a child to a rare illness coming together to talk about it and grieve together and learn about the illness. Um, and what you could expect. Mm -hmm. Those type of bias, no one's looking at those and saying those shouldn't exist. They're really just saying, I'm annoyed by certain people in my life that seem to be thinking they're very important. Right. Um, So I always tell people, before you start the podcast, let's ask a question. Why are you doing a podcast? And if the answer is, I want to be famous, or I want to make a ton of money— or I think I should be a comedian. Those are red flags for sure. Um, That's I would like the result of a massive show that's really funny, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be driven to do the work. Instead, if you have a podcast where you're sharing something that's really important to you um, that you know there just isn't a good alternative for this content, uh, there are people who need to hear this message, well, that's an indication that even if there's shows in the same area, the same subject, uh, bringing your voice might be really important.
0: Yeah, it's just like teaching, right? Like people say, oh, well, I'm not going to make a course because a course already exists like that. Yeah, but the person who has that course isn't teaching the course the way you do, and there's going to be a whole group of people who are going to learn that topic better the way you teach it than the way this other person teaches it. I
1: mean, growing up, we all had, you know, a dozen different math teachers. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that we grow up in a world where we understand there are vastly different levels of experience with people who teach things. And they teach differently, and there's different learning styles. And yet, if we think we are going to teach something, it's only valid if we are the very first person ever to think of it and or the expert. Um, And that's kind of a defense mechanism because we don't want to be made fun of and we don't want to be told that we actually got some stuff wrong or that we could improve. All those things are true. We will get things wrong. We will need to improve. And uh, we're probably not the premier expert in the world, but you still have a valid uh, point of view to bring to the conversation. So if, and sometimes like we learn best from people who are maybe only a few steps ahead Mm -hmm. of, Uh, Where we are. And so that's one of the things I love about podcasting is that allows novices in a space to enter and say, I'm going to learn about this. I'm going to start interviewing people. We're going to talk about it. And, you know, if you're the number one AI researcher in the world, your podcast is going to be way over the heads of most people. Right. But if you're a novice and you're kind of introducing some of the experts and you're saying, hey, explain it on my level. Well, now there's a large audience. That can engage with that content so different levels different experiences different takes on subjects uh different types of entertainment quality all of those are important to bring together uh when you're creating your show
0: yeah for sure and and the we learn best from people who are just a few steps ahead of us i think that's so important it's really easy when you become an expert to forget uh, what it's like for the learner. And the, the time that this really landed for me was when I was teaching um, a bunch of freshmen in an intro to computer course about WordPress. Mm. And I explained a concept to them uh, kind of flippantly, like, oh, pages do this, posts do this. Because um, I'd been using WordPress for like 10 plus years at that point. And one of my students, God bless her, she raised her hand and she said, I have no idea what you just said. And like, then it clicked. Oh, I'm explaining to this, like they see it as often as I do. Um, So, inviting people on your learning journey with you, where you're learning and then you're explaining it and you're reinforcing what you're learning, and people are seeing kind of how things click, that's really, really valuable.
1: I heard a story once of a crypto podcast or a crypto uh, conference, Mm -hmm. and they had like these. Top level cryptography experts were there, and someone was giving a in depth talk about uh, this really advanced cryptography stuff. And the first question they're thinking is just going to be so intense. And the first person raises their hand and goes, "So what's a block? What's the blockchain?" (laughs) And they're like, "Oh." We're up here talking about the cutting edge because that's what's interesting to us. And that is what we think most people are interested in and want to learn about. We're telling something we just learned. And most of the people in the audience were brand new beginners who just heard the words and thought, this sounds interesting. So what, what is blockchain and why does it work? And there's many, many more people who are in that beginner camp than in the expert camp. And I've recently experienced it. One of my friends started a DJ podcast. He's been a DJ in the area for a long time. And I was like, honestly, I don't know anything about what you do beyond that you're picking the music. Mm -hmm. And it was funny to him to hear that because he was like, oh, I'm talking to other DJs. And we're going really in depth. And I didn't even think about addressing everybody who their only experience of DJing is they walk up and they say, "Hey, why aren't you playing the latest song that I like?"
0: <laughs> oh man, I DJed uh, for a small amount of time in high school, uh, and I was not—I was not good at it because I just played music <laughs> I liked, and the music I liked was like Blink One Eighty Two, and that's not good dance music. <laughs> that's terrible dance music. Um, I, like what you, I like what you said. There are many. There are many more people in the beginner camp and the expert camp, and like if we look at those as two you know, like pools filling with water The the beginner pool fills up a lot faster than the expert pool does too. So there are way more beginners to something every day than there are people becoming experts every day. So, um, again, like kind of teaching that thing, the thing or talking about this thing that you're really passionate about, um, can help you create good and, and evergreen content I have like a framework for how to make money podcasting. And sometimes I talk about it and I'm like, gosh, this has been done to death. And I think for me, because I talk about it every day, but for that new person who just got on my mailing list, they're hearing about this for the first time. And maybe it didn't occur to them that they could use affiliate links to make money with their podcast or whatever.
1: I've, um, we have a Facebook group that about podcasting that's pretty big. And what, you, what happens a lot is people show up And then somebody they ask the basic questions what Mm -hmm. mic should i get where should i host my podcast uh you know is my podcast doing well and you always get a snarky response where somebody says you know that question's been asked before why don't you use the search feature (laughs) and i'm saying well i think you're misunderstanding what the point of a community is like people are here because they want to connect to other people who are doing something And inevitably, the beginner questions will be asked the most. The people who are saying, hey, so I'm already at 100,000 downloads per episode, but I'm trying to take it to the next level and get a deal with, like, GM Motors to be on a sponsor. That question will be rare because there's only, you know, a 1,000 podcasts total that have hit that level. And if we kind of, I don't know, it, it just seems like when we're creating content, um, I always remind myself and my team, like we need to be a little bit more basic than we think because even the stuff that seems boring and done to death probably still needs to be done 50 more times before the expert level stuff is really, um, everyone thinks been saturated to the same extent.
0: Yeah, it's so funny how quickly you can get like that I know something shine right. Like you might have just asked this question last week, but now you know the answer to it, and you can't believe other people don't already know the answer to it. Um, and it's 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 important to remember to to stay humble. Uh, it's like the XKCD comic, right? There's there's always going to be somebody who doesn't know what you know, and you have the opportunity to to bring them into the fold instead of shame them.
1: Yeah, um, I think that the other side of that is. Often, what keeps creators back from starting in new spaces, um, it took me years to start the, um, my first podcast, to start writing online, to make YouTube videos, then to do TikToks. Like all of that content creation, felt really weird for me. Uh, it felt like because maybe it's because I was more judgmental of other people who are doing it mm-hmm. that I expected that same level of judgment on me. And so you're sitting there judging yourself and not remember, you know, not forgiving yourself for being a beginner. You know, when you begin something, you should expect that you will be bad in the beginning and you should have to be okay with that. You know, you shouldn't have an expectation of actually being above average when the amount of experience you have in something is significantly below average. Yeah. Right. Had a colleague once who, um, had just got a promotion and she was now running a team with five people. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm so nervous that I'm not, you know, I'm not a good manager. And I went, well, you probably aren't <laughs> <You're> like what <laughs> I was like, well, you, you've only done it for one day. Like you, you've, of course, like you have a ton to learn, but you're smart and you're a good learner and you want to learn And you're reading books and stuff like you're going to get better faster than most people. But like to put that burden on yourself day one and say, I should be an above average uh, leader and manager is just like way too much to handle. Um, And I see that happen in the creator space all the time where people are like, oh, I have good taste. So I can tell that my podcast is worse than this American life but I do not have abilities to actually make it better yet. Um, you need to be gracious with yourself to actually l- learn you know, how to improve things.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the theme of the like, first season of this podcast was, uh, it, it kept coming up a lot. We always see the gold medal Olympian standing on the podium with their gold medal. What we don't see is the years of sacrifice and work and blood and sweat that it took to get to the gold medal, po- like to the gold to the podium. Um, the hard part about creating content online is that the blood and the sweat and the the sacrifice is done in public. Mm-hmm. Um But you just kind of have to own it, and I think I think people really like seeing that because it really humanizes the process.
1: Yeah, we. One way I like to describe it is that we develop our taste before we develop the ability, our abilities. So we are all good at saying this meal is bad; Mm. it doesn't taste good. Yeah, but like, could you create something of that caliber? Probably not. Right. Um, I'm able to look at YouTube videos and go, "Gosh, that looks like it was." lit incorrectly, but I don't know anything about lighting. Yeah. Um, I can listen to audio and say, that sounds broken, but I can't diagnose it and make it any better. So that's the difficult space for a lot of us to inhabit. The, I know that what I'm doing right now is not top notch. I am totally incapable of like diagnosing and solving (laughs) the problem. Can I get comfortable enough though, to put this out in the world and to be kind to myself? Uh, and not be so judgmental. And for me, that took many years of, you know, just stalling and trying to level up. But the the sad thing is you don't level up when you don't publish. Yeah. Um, And you, you know, you're often living in kind of a fantasy land where you think the thing that will hold this podcast episode back is my editing. And if I learn to be a better editor, and it turns out, no, the thing holding it back is, you're not a very good interviewer. So actually the raw audio file here wasn't very good, you know, for my like first interview. Um, I thought that it was the editing that needed to be improved, but now listening back, I'm like, yeah, I should have been asking better questions so and right. I should have done more research on the front end.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Like the, just that as a quick side quest, um, I always thought, I know I'm not going to do any research. I'm going to learn when the readers or when the listeners also learn and we could be surprised together essentially. But uh, nah, being prepared makes for a much better interview. Because ultimately you are trying to tell a story and weave things together. Uh, uh, and if you don't know where you're going, then you you can't do that. There's
1: very different um thinkings on this. Like Larry King uh, famously never did any prep for his show, and he was one of these great Dang, interviewers. Dang, um, I didn't
0: know that. <laughs> I think he would get,
1: like, on in the limo on the way to the show, he'd have a one-page, and he'd go, oh, I'm going to talk to Jerry Seinfeld, and I'm going to ask about Seinf- you know, the Seinfeld show. And so there's actually a really funny interview where he interviewed Jerry Seinfeld. He goes, what was it like when Seinfeld got canceled? He's like, canceled? Like, do you even <laughs> prep for this? Like, we had the number one show in the nation, and I decided to stop it. Like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> it's because like, he, he was just kind of learning along with us and yeah. he didn't feel bad about it. The flip side of that, um, maybe it would be somebody like, uh, Jordan Harbinger, who's a podcaster mm-hmm. and he researches the heck out of every guest. And to the point that he will interview people, he'll say, he'll ask very pointy questions. They'll say, I don't really know. And then he'll say, okay, I just paused the recording But um, this is in your book. It's in this passage. And here's the story. And they go, oh, yeah. And he goes, all right, let's restart. And he starts it back. And they go, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And they answer the question. Wow. So there's different ways of doing it. And again, both of those can be podcasts and both can be interesting. I mean, I don't think Joe, I think Joe Rogan's much closer to Larry King. He's kind of off the cuff, exploring along with you. And apparently (laughs) lots and lots of people enjoy that kind of content.
0: Yeah, I think it's like, but like you said, right? Getting your getting your reps in—that's kind of what I call it. When people are like, "How do I get better?" You got to get your reps in. Um, you you got to learn to become a good conversationalist, right? And and Joe Rogan for all of his druthers and however you feel about him, he's a good conversationalist. He he can move through topics quickly and then find the one that's interesting and then dig in for a while on that. Um, and and that's why millions of people listen to him because he's kind of good at teasing that stuff out. Um, I th- And I think, you know, it, it's, it's funny. Um, people, again, people have asked me like, how do I, how do you get good at podcasting? I was in drama club from second grade through 12th grade. <laughs> uh, and so I had the benefit of like messing up in school plays where the stakes were really low. Like, I mean, it's big, it feels big for you at the time, but like you forget a line and you're, you're over it like the next week. Right. Or mm-hmm. when I was defending my master's thesis, I said something incorrect. And and my, my, um, advisor corrected me during my defense. And he's like, that's <laughs> not really how it works. And I'm like, well, you got to bounce back from that. Yep. Uh, and, and I did, I bounced back with a joke. So like, you know, I kind of had the benefit of learning this stuff along the way, but I think maybe the thing to come, I want to ask you this, right? The thing to combat this, cause you, you know, uh, you hear, you have access to a lot of new podcasts. Um, the thing that keeps people coming back is, is probably the content, right? And connecting with people in some way.
1: Um, I think specifically it's, there's a lot of shows that are actually doing really well because of the hosts. And That doesn't mean you have to be as funny as a famous comedian, and you don't have to be as insightful or as great of a writer as, like, Terry Gross or, Mm -hmm. you know, as good of an interviewer as she is. Um, You just have to be who you are. And, like, you've only ever met a few thousand people in your real life, and a lot of them seem to like you. So it's not too surprising that if you're putting out just who you are, there's a lot of people who would be interested to hear that on a podcast. And if you're putting in some work on the front end, which you should be, uh, then you're not just getting like you off the cuff. You're getting you distilled and in a more thoughtful form. Um, so I think, you know, learn what feels right to you and then just start doing it and ask for lots and lots and lots of feedback. And as you get all that feedback, You are going to get better and better and better at creating a great podcast. So I would just tell people, um, I don't know, be be a little brave and be kind. There's going to be, you're going to take some lumps along the way. But in a year, you're going to look back and be like, holy cow, that's so impressive how much better this show got.
0: Yeah, that's... Try not to take the feedback personally, right? It's really easy to for people to be mean, like if they're faceless or whatever. One of my early comments, I guess I used to say, that's awesome a lot after everything. And somebody was like, the host says that's awesome too much. And I was, sorry, it's it's awesome though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, learn what feels right for you. I had uh, my friend Carrie Dills on uh, recently and she we both make LinkedIn learning courses, and she needs to write out everything she's gonna say in her videos verbatim and she does it in one long script uh and i i I do the scripts because it helps me be clear about what I'm teaching, but I don't read from them verbatim. I can't do that that doesn't work for me, so you're right, you gotta again get your do a few test episodes see what feels right maybe fully scripted works for you maybe bullet points work for you um very few people i think are good at talking off the cuff uh really really well i know a few people and that's like a really learned skill but yeah we when we do youtube i'm more on the
1: everything written outside mm-hmm. i feel much more comfortable if i've taken the time to figure out what i want to say by writing it mm-hmm. and then i can deviate in the moment if Maybe a different language sounds better, mm-hmm. but I've got, I put in a lot of work on the front end to learn what I want to say. Uh, but there's a girl on our team, Jalon, who's been on a YouTube channel a bunch, who is like, she's definitely an anomaly. I don't know if I've met many people like this. It, normally when you turn a camera on, people start shying down and they their brain slows down and yeah. it becomes a little bit more difficult for them to talk her speeds up and she actually gets like even more insightful and like thinks of even new things when the camera's turned on. So there are times where we talk through a video idea for a while and I'm like, oh, we're kind of getting it. And then we turn the camera on and one take, it's perfect.
0: And I'm like, oh, that's awesome, holy cow. Like
1: we never got anything that good. I'm the exact opposite. If it's not great before we turn the camera on, I know it's not going to be great. Once the camera is pointed at me.
0: Oh, that's so funny. My secret because mine are more off the cuff than not. I plan it out. My secret is I usually record the video uh, twice and mess up a lot the first time and then I have to scrap that recording. That's that's my big secret. That's funny. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by LearnDash. Look, I've been making courses for a long time. I've taught at the college level and I've created curriculums for several different organizations, including Udemy, Sessions College, and LinkedIn Learning. When I create my own courses, there's no better option than LearnDash. LearnDash combines cutting-edge e-learning tools with WordPress. They're trusted to power learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, and creators worldwide. What makes LearnDash so great is it was created by and is run by people who deeply understand online learning and adds features that are truly helpful for independent course creators. I love the user experience. And now you can import Vimeo and YouTube playlists and have a course created automatically in seconds. I trust LearnDash to run my courses and membership, and you should too. Learn more at howibuilt.it slash LearnDash. Wow, we've been talking for a while. This has been a really good conversation. It actually went into a direction I didn't expect it to go based on the pre-show, but I think there's a lot of... Really good advice here, um, but let's bring it back to something you said earlier, uh, where you need you need to ask why are you doing a podcast? I think this is something really important for two reasons. First, it's going to make your show better because you're going to define the audience, but it's also going to help you do something that I feel. Uh, a lot of podcasters, a lot of content creators in general want to do more of, which is make money with their content. Um, so can, can you talk a little bit about finding your reason and then maybe how creators can go about um, monetizing their content in, in some way, shape, or form?
1: So yeah, a few good reasons to start a podcast. Uh, you want to generate leads for a business you want to build a community of people around an important message. You want to be in, uh, recognized industry leader. You actually are maybe entering a space as an employee and you want to start building out a network of connections. All good reasons to start a show, uh, to have fun and to enjoy yourself. Another great reason um, to make a lot of money. I think a, you know the most visible podcasts make a lot of money and it's so it's easy to imagine that that's happening um we talked earlier you know your show gets 6000 downloads in the first 30 days of a new episode that's in the top 1% and it's well into the top 1% maybe top half wow. percent i think people need to realize that the average podcaster is only getting something like 30 plays per episode in the first week so how do we make money in a world where you're only getting 30 people to listen to your show um, within a week. And the, the reason that in numbers are low is because most people don't stick with podcasting long enough to build out the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the <laughs> truth is, things like ads do not work at those numbers. Right. You know, until yeah. you're starting hitting 5,000 plays per episode, you're really not going to be making a significant amount of money and definitely not one that will allow you to make it a full-time role. But what you can do is things that you mentioned earlier. You can have affiliate links to products that you talk about, especially if they're ones that are connected to your podcast topic and expertise. I have an SEO podcast and I'm recommending my favorite SEO tools. Go click the links. That works. Uh, For people who have a small business, the product that you're selling is your business and the podcast is the marketing for it. So how does my marketing make money? Well, I recommend people to go use my business and pay me. Um, so if you're a small business owner, and you're thinking like, I need to get more clients for my law firm. We'll start a podcast talking about the legal issues that you see and that you provide services for. People will see you as the expert. And so when they go, yeah, I need to learn, or I need, I actually need a lawyer for this issue, they know who to go to. Um, So for, you know, I, a lot of ways I think indirect monetization is better than direct. Uh, Ads are really, in many ways, the lowest common denominator of how to monetize anything online. Mm -hmm. It's what we should go to when we realize, I don't have a good way to make money off of this, but I do have a ton of people paying attention. And podcasts have lots of ways to make money, and we don't have a ton of people paying attention. And so ads... While sometimes they're the right answer, I think we they should be in the toolkit that we're using. If your podcast is about an area of expertise, uh, it pairs really well with an online course. So let's say I am going to teach you how to market a SaaS product. And that's why podcast is about. Well, I've been doing this now for five years. I've taught tons of people on my podcast. Now I'll build a course on it. I even saw a um, podcast that did a really interesting, um, I think, I want to say it was like faith based productivity. And so it was a combination of like spirituality and productivity. And for people who are interested in the podcast, they were learning stuff that doesn't have an exact one to one correlation with any daily planners. So the podcast host said, All right. I actually think I'm going to make this for myself based on the principles that we have developed together as a podcast community over time. Would anybody want this? And before he'd even launched the planner, had like 6,000 orders, like an um, incredible amount compared to how how hard it is to actually sell books. (laughs) And so when you are creating unique, valuable content, you will inevitably raise opportunities for you to Provide unique, valuable services on top of that. So step one really has to always be: you have to be creating something that people really want, or else you're never—they're never going to part with their money uh, to get more of it.
0: I love that. Are you talking about Mike Schmitz? Uh, he is—he, I love their, uh He does a podcast with um, David Sparks called Focused. I think so. He also has the website Faith Based Productivity. And I thought, what an interesting niche that is. Uh, Yeah, because I uh,
1: yeah, I think that's something that if you heard that, yeah, faith based productivity. If you heard that, you'd be like, if that came out of your friend's mouth, you'd go, dude, that's weird. (laughs) Why? Why are (laughs) you doing that? Like, instead, (laughs) I think we should be focused on is just productivity in general. Why are you trying to bring God into this? Yeah, Um, but the power of actually focusing your podcast and your content is that it actually becomes recommendable. And so let, let me give you an example. Like I'm just going to go like off as much as I can. Yeah. If I'm like, Hey, the world of motocross, um, you know, then somebody who's interested in motocross is like, Oh, that might be a podcast for me. Well, let's say women in motocross and, well, now, if you hear of that, it may not be for you, but you're like, actually, my girlfriend's really into motocross and mm-hmm. nobody else' is. So she should be listening to this podcast. Uh, there's people who have podcasts about specific TV shows, yeah. but they focus on only a particular audience and how they watch that show. So there's kind of there's one that uh, somebody's talking about today called, Uh, War of the Roses, I think, that was like a Bachelor podcast that was all about watching The Bachelor (laughs) as if it's really a sporting event, not as a love uh, connection thing. It's awesome. And apparently it's supposed to be very funny and good. So I don't know anything about The Bachelor, but if you are, you might want to check this podcast out. And when you do things that are really focused, now it becomes something that you can recommend to a friend and say, this actually is in your space. It's talking about politics from the lens that you have to people like you. It's talking about motocross, but it's not just to everybody in motocross. It's actually talking about the women in motocross that are never highlighted. And that might be really exciting for you. Yeah. Uh, And so when you focus, people actually recommend your podcast to the people in their lives that will want it. And those people will listen because they're going, ooh, this is unique. This is for me. And this is the stuff that I am personally interested in.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's, it's so great. You know, the, the example I've heard a lot is like underwater basket weaving. It's, uh, it's like, if I make a podcast, how many people are going to listen? I'm like, well, if your addressable audience is a hundred people and 80 people are listening, that's phenomenal, right? 80% (laughs) of your addressable audience is listening. That's great. So, um, you know, you might not be the general purpose. 11 million people are listening to you every week, but if you're getting a high percentage of your addressable audience and that's, that's amazing. That's you, you've, you're building a really good niche audience.
1: Yeah. We still have not seemed to grasp the change that happens when we use the internet to connect to people. When we (laughs) have this idea of what will work in my local geographic area, you know, we talk about the radio shows, what radio shows will work. Let's just only talk about the sports Okay, You can only ever really talk about the local sports team because here in Jacksonville, Florida, the only sports team that has a high enough, there's enough listeners interested are the Jacksonville Jaguars, Mm -hmm. maybe the college teams that are right nearby. But beyond that, there's not enough New York Yankees fans in town to want to hear a New York Yankees podcast. And there definitely are not enough Real Madrid fans to want to have a Real Madrid show on the radio. Well, these are all people who are now um, you know, think my interests are too out there that anybody cares. Well, actually, no matter what your interest is, there are millions of people like you. And I think millions is a the correct answer. Yeah. like whatever you're interested in, there's a million people out there. And so all you really need to do is just start flying the flag. Like, I'm really interested in finding out about this thing. Is there anyone else? And as long as you just keep waving that flag around long enough, eventually the people who are like you are going to go, oh, I thought I was the only one. I didn't realize that other people were trying to solve this problem and try to figure this out. Were interested in it. I'd love to talk to you. So finding your audience becomes much easier when you are explicit about here are the people I'm trying to connect to. Here's the conversations I want to have. Uh, Here are the people I want to interview. And the more that you do that, the easier it is for people to identify oh, you're actually creating the content for me.
0: Yeah, it's so funny how you can feel siloed, right? Even I, I come from the WordPress space the tech space. I'm into baseball. I don't know if you did your research, but the Yankees are my team, born and raised in New York. And... Um Anytime. Yes. Very nice. I looked around, I was like, am I wearing my Yankee hat right now? <laughs> um, uh, for those of you who can't see what I saw, uh, Alvin just put on his Yankee hat. Um, which it lo- that looks like a, like a classic, like old school like, Yankee hat. Um, I'm so- just
1: a father. So I have to have like the old dad hats.
0: <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Um, and uh, every time I bring up sports in like the WordPress space, I'm, t- I'm like, oh yeah, you know, the World Series or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, sports ball. And if I only listened to that audience, I'd be like, I'm the only one who likes sports uh, or I'm the only one who likes baseball when I know that's patently not true.
1: <laughs> I, um, you know, what we're doing when we create uh, unique and focused content is the exact opposite of what network television does when they create shows like Two and a Half Men. Yes. Um, I think of the, what happens a lot is when you're trying to create content that needs to appeal to a large market, what you end up doing is like, you can't use any inside jokes. You can't say anything that's too offensive. Everything kind of has to be obvious. And you end up like watering down. I don't know culture until it's kind of like everybody gets the jokes, everyone understands it, and it just kind of feels dull. But Two and a Half Men for a long time was the number one show in America, and I was like, "This is this show is not good at all." Yeah, show is dumb. (laughs) And consistently, that would happen with other shows that I thought were really boring. It wasn't just that they you know they were made poorly. Like I was just like, I don't get like anybody enjoys this. And then what I realized was. When things are targeting everybody, they're not really made for any specific person. There's no average person. There is an average of a group of people. And so they're just saying, yeah, everyone kind of isn't, is fine with this show being on. Yeah. Well, what people are really interested in is a show like Mad Men that turns off 90% plus of people and they go, that's definitely not for me. But the 10% that it's for are like, yes, I've been looking forward to this. Or, These new Star Wars shows, the Star Wars nerds in the room are like, yes, Mm -hmm. I can't get enough of these new Star Wars shows. Yes. And for live sports and everything, like the more we get focused, the more intensely you will connect with your audience. And as an individual creator, the thing you can bring to the table is that fan intensity, that real focus, and you can provide that for all your audience. What you can't provide is like this mass appeal show because nobody will ever think because you're frankly, you don't have the distribution that NBC has that they can put a show on and everybody kind of has to watch it. You don't have that lever. Instead, you need to pull the let's go really focused and really deep lever. And the people who are interested in this content, they will find you.
0: Yeah, they'll, they, they'll say you have to watch this right. um, I something I forgot to do in the pre-show was ask Albin if he would have some time to talk and build something more than members only part as soon as we stop recording this I am going to mention two shows that came out at the same exact time that um, uh, one was great, one was terrible and, and the other one out so uh, I want to be cognizant of Albin's time and if there is a few minutes we'll talk about TV shows but otherwise, this has been such a great conversation, Alvin. I really appreciate your time and sharing your expertise with us.
1: Yeah, Joe, I've had a blast. I'm uh, thankful you invited me on the podcast.
0: For uh, all of the show, well, first of all, um, if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Um,
1: most of our content is on YouTube, on the Buzzsprout YouTube channel or the Buzzsprout blog. Um, but if you want to contact me, uh, Twitter, at Albin Brook, is the place to find me and if you have any questions or thoughts or comments I'd uh, love it if you reached out and we could start a conversation
0: Awesome I will link to all of that and everything we talked about in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash uh, 269 Albin, thanks so much for uh, for your time today Thanks, Joe. And I also want to thank our sponsors, LearnDash, WP Wallet, and Nexus. I really appreciate their support. So again, check them out over at howibuilt.it slash 269. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.